0: Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory
1: University.
0: Welcome everyone. Welcome to class four of Analytics University. Today's topic is advanced sports statistics. Um want to jump right in today with an example. Um, I am joined, as always, by our resident student, Doug Battle. How are you today, Doug?
1: I'm well. I'm excited for this one. I feel like I speak on behalf of many of the students when I say that uh, this is why I'm here.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. You know, we're, What we're doing is we're getting to the, the heart of the matter. And uh, you know, I don't know what the most prominent sports statistic is out there, or I should say advanced sports statistic or advanced analytics, but I can tell you what my favorite is. and and as we discuss it, I think uh, you'll begin to see why this as, as an analytics person, why the NFL passer rating statistic is my favorite. Now, we gave the class the statistic to review as pre-reading or homework as preparation for the class. We have also put a slide on the on the website that details the statistic. So this is uh, I will also say that this is this one is a little bit of a challenge to do it in an audio format. But you you're right. This is the this is the core of why we're here because this is when we are we're, we're linking analytics to what is happening on the field. Okay, so Doug, have you done the homework? Yes. Okay. So, what is the NFL passer passer statistic? What does that mean to you? Um and we'll we'll start high level and then we'll dig into the to the details. So, when I when I just say okay. that term, what what immediately comes to mind?
1: Yeah. So, when I think of the passer rating, I think it's like a general statistic that shows how effective and efficient a quarterback is overall. Oh. And so, unlike touchdowns or Yards. It's also taking into consideration. Let's not get into
0: the details just yet. So that's uh, sure. Is that fair to say? So this is uh this is your means for comparing a uh, Patrick Mahomes to a Drew Brees to a, a, a one a one stop shop for doing that type of comparison, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a one stop shop stat.
0: Okay, so. Going into the statistic, um, why, why don't you read the statistic? What what is the equation? How is the NFL passer rating computed? And this, I, I will admit, this is a little bit of a trick question for the for those in the audience. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, reading this one is a little interesting because you got some parentheses. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll, uh, okay, well, we'll let, try let to me try start. to visualize let what me I'm start saying. And
0: let me do the easy part. Okay, so the formula for the NFL passer rating is, and this is in parentheses, A plus B plus C plus D divided by six multiplied by one hundred.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was looking at what A, B, C, and D exactly. are. Exactly.
0: Okay, but that is our starting <laughs> point. So, so the, the reason why this is hard to talk about is there's a bunch of stuff going on in the statistic. And so when they write this out and publish the equations to make it a little, a little bit more palatable, a little more, bit more bite-sized, they do it in chunks of component A, component B, component C, and component D. Okay, so those are the, there are four components in this statistic. Um, for whatever reason, it we add these together, we divide by six, and then we multiply by a hundred. Okay, that should. And I think this is right where people start to look at this stuff and they start to go, they start to get a little bit confused. Divide by six, multiply by a hundred. Okay. So this is something that we really got to take in chunks and break it into pieces. Okay. So that being said, these four components, what is component A?
1: Okay. I got this. A equals. All right. And then we got start parentheses, right? Um, Completions. Divided by attempts, and then that number minus 0.3 in parentheses times five. That's A. Okay,
0: that that's A. Okay, so um, you're 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 an NFL guy at all, Doug?
1: I know you are. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay,
0: so what is this? What is component A? What is this a measure of? What is this getting
1: at? Um, I mean the the completions per attempt. Is, is the start of it, um, so it really has to do with their completion percentage at that point. With the other numbers, I'm not really sure okay. <laughs> where those come How from. How about if I use
0: the word accuracy? You buy that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, yeah. so this is a measure of quarterback accuracy, completions per attempt, right? Just You're right, it's just a percentage. Um, if you're highly accurate, you complete 60% of passes. If you're inaccurate, you complete 40% of passes passes
1: unless your receivers are really bad
0: okay okay and let's make a note of that okay um if your receivers are good or bad and let's come back to that a little bit later okay Okay. now this that that percentage is and this is again why this gets confusing um we subtract 0.3 from that and then we multiply by five and remember a later goes into this equation where we divide by six and multiply by a hundred so there, there's, a bunch of, there's a bunch of operations that confuse the matter. But at the heart of this, factor A is a measure of, of quarterback accuracy. Okay, so what is right. B?
1: B is, so we got a parentheses, yards divided by attempts minus 3 this time, not point .3, minus 3 in parentheses times .25 Or divided by four.
0: Okay, so, uh, again, I can hear it in your voice. There's a little bit of, I I don't know, I don't want to say frustration, but a little bit of something related to the subtractions of a number and then the (laughs) multiplication by, uh, these numbers seem arbitrary?
1: Yeah, it's like, where do these numbers (laughs) come from? Like, who decided that it would be You know, minus point three and minus three. I don't know. That's the part that's confusing.
0: Okay, so but to the heart of this, this part of the equation, yards divided by attempt. What is this a measure of in terms of quarterback performance?
1: It's it's essentially. I mean, I guess it kind of speaks for itself, like yards per pass. But um, it's how far they're they're getting down the field with each throw.
0: Okay, so. Part A was accuracy. Part B is uh, gives us some indication of the almost the degree of difficulty or right. the degree of value of each pass. Right? right?
1: Are they throwing slants or are they throwing bombs? Right. Um, I mean,
0: I could I could throw a I could throw a quick screen pass to the running back every time and lose three yards. That's obviously not you know, I'd be 100 percent accurate. Uh, obviously not as valuable as throwing the ball 20 30 yards downfield. Correct.
1: That is correct.
0: Okay, so component A accuracy, component B uh, magnitude of sort of the, the value or the 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 extent of the value of a pass.
1: Okay, so what is component C? C touchdowns divided by attempts times twenty.
0: <laughs> okay times 20 now, right? So we've multiplied by five, then 25 times 20. Okay. Okay. Uh, And this is what I love about this equation. Okay. So what is this a measure of?
1: The frequency of, of ultimate success.
0: Okay. So if we want to mix metaphors, we might say the frequency of hitting a home run or scoring a touchdown. So if the point of the game is to score points, um, you know you could always you can imagine a scenario where you're criticizing a quarterback because they just move the ball up and down the field, but they cannot convert in the red zone right so they mm-hmm. cannot convert where it counts so component c gets that i don't know what do you what do you want to call this ultimate effectiveness uh, clutch you know, so, so what what words do you want to use
1: yeah, I don't know if I like the word clutch um for this I would say.
0: Might be hard to put words to it, but but you get what's going on, right? I mean it's uh it's ultimate conversion, right? A a guy that actually ultimate
1: conversion. I like that one. I think you said it right there.
0: Okay, so A, B, and C, we've got accuracy, we've got magnitude, we've got ultimate conversion. What is
1: part D? D is uh 2.375. Minus, and then we got parentheses, interceptions divided by attempts times 25 in parentheses.
0: Okay, so what is Part D about?
1: Um, it's, I mean, everything else is focused on positive statistics. This one, not so much. It's the frequency of failure, frequency of interceptions.
0: Okay, and so there's a negative sign in this too, right? So part D is uh, a little bit of a penalty for the – or perhaps a decent penalty for quarterbacks that turn the ball over, right?
1: Yes, because look at someone like Jameis Winston, uh, a lot of yards, 30 touchdowns last year, but also had 30 interceptions. So this number tries to not make him look better than someone like Drew Brees.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know why I'm, I'm rel- for some reason, baseball analogies are coming to mind as we go over the NFL passer statistics, <laughs> but, but I tend to think of like the slugger that hits a bunch of home runs, but also strikes out a lot, right?
1: Yeah, it's the same same kind of thing. So that's so James Winston.
0: Make, yeah, so you want to make an adjustment for downside. Okay, so Okay, so when we put all these things together, we decompose it, what do we have? How are we rating quarterbacks?
1: We're rating them on... Their accuracy, uh, the the magnitude or the level of difficulty that they're facing, their ultimate what was our word conversion, ultimate conversion, <laughs> and then, you know, we're also taking into consideration their their failures. Okay,
0: uh, that that's at the heart of it. That's what's going on. So we've got these four components. We've got measures of uh, I, can we say the first three things are positive measures of – positive things that quarterbacks do, and the fourth one is a penalty term for negative things that quarterbacks do. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about the statistics or statistic or fascinating about the equation is then we've got all these subtractions by 0.3, multiply that by 5, multiply something else by the touchdown percentage by 20 – uh, the turnovers, it's 2.375 minus, uh, you know, the interceptions divided by attempt times 25. It's hard to, well, I mean, you let, let me ask you this. So what is the relative uh, contribution to a, the quarterback statistic of a guy that throws one more touchdown pass versus uh, a guy who's, uh, completions are, let's say, five yards shorter than another player's. Um, touchdowns
1: hold more weight.
0: Okay, I was actually hoping that your answer would be, I'm not sure. <laughs> a- well, and was, the answer was, should be, I'm not sure. I mean, I, when you say the touchdowns hold more weight, are you talking about sort of the reality of your experience as a observer well, of the game, or are you talking about I'm the equation? S-
1: I'm saying like it's multiplied by twenty. Now, one there. thing I
0: one thing I didn't give you in that was attempts. But so, what I was reaching for was just the the fact that when you look at that equation, at least from my perspective, I, I don't have a I don't have a sense of how any you know throwing for one more yard on average versus you know a slightly higher touchdown percentage. I don't know how those things compute through. Right? Is is that fair to say? Simply because yeah, of the it's... number the number of computations and calculations. Results in this being a fairly confusing thing to look at.
1: Oh, absolutely! It's it's not intuitive. Um, you don't look at it and say, "Oh, well, okay, it, this holds this much weight and this holds this much weight." Like it's it's kind of vague and all over the place. Okay,
0: and I think that's one conclusion. When I when I do this in front of a live audience, something that you can feel from the audience is a lot of this stuff feels a little bit vague maybe a little convoluted. Arbitrary is a word that comes up quite a bit. Um, I think you actually even said it, and, and it's something that almost everyone says when they first drill down and take a look at this, of where does 0.3 come from?
1: Where does 20 come from? Right, uh, yeah, that, that's my biggest question. Well,
0: and I think that, that that's a completely valid concern. I mean, we've, we've got these four measures, these four things, these four statistics now our goal in all this is to combine it into one single measure and so one of the money one of the money questions on all this is how do we get these factors um, I, I looking at this it, it almost uh, you know it, in a visual format I would probably I would be sort of reaching out and kind of grabbing things in in thin air I, I suspect that the way these factors were derived is that people simply plugged in different numbers see what results they got and then try different numbers.
1: Yeah. I guess for me, I like, it's like I like everything to be like simple and clean. And it's like why not just use just the the stats like completions over attempts, yards over attempts, touchdown over attempts, interception over attempts, um, you know, some combination of those without all these other numbers where we don't know where they're derived. I guess okay. is, is kind of my well, when question. When
0: you say even some combination of it how would you start to add those together would you want to have different factors on touchdowns per attempt uh, w- when you're adding touchdowns per attempt to let's say completions per attempt would you want to have different weights on each of those
1: yeah I guess I guess that's what we're getting to is that these numbers are used to weigh the, the importance or significance uh, of these things because w- whereas like, it seems like it would be easier to just add those numbers together or just multiply them all or, or divide them or whatever. Uh, at that point, com- one completion weighs just as much as one touchdown, which isn't necessarily true in football. And so it's like, how do you determine how much each thing weighs? I have no idea, but my bet is that that's how they, they came to these numbers that can seem random to to. I guess the casual fan like myself
0: okay so let's say conclusion number one looking at this thing is what are the weights where do the weights come from and maybe the advanced question of where should the weights come from okay the, the second thing that comes about of these discussions of stats like this and, and you mentioned earlier on the idea of how good are your receivers okay so why is how good are your receivers why does that matter to this uh to this issue
1: Because it's not all things the same uh, with this statistic. And so you're measuring the quality of different quarterbacks who are surrounded with different caliber of players, um, which can skew how each quarterback is viewed.
0: Okay, so my interpretation of that is that some things are left out.
1: Right. Right. Okay. yeah
0: so the quality of the wide receivers I think is an obvious one. Uh, quality of offensive line matter
1: Yeah offensive line uh, offensive play calling that's something that that's incredibly significant and we'll see players numbers jump off the page from season to season with a change in coaching.
0: So the scheme they play in matters.
1: Yeah, the scheme, and that's something you'll see with with Tom Brady in recent years. I mean, they had a a scheme where he's getting rid of the ball real quick, not throwing the ball downfield a whole bunch, um, and it protects him, but it, it protects his numbers as well. Not as many interceptions that way,
0: right? And, and I mean, I, I think you can almost go component by component, right? So the uh, a quarterback's accuracy is. Going to be influenced by his receivers who, you know, maybe some guys have receivers that drop the ball more than others. Correct. Um, some guys get open more often. Uh, yep. The The completion percentage may be affected by the offensive line. If you get a little bit more time to throw the ball, it's likely you're going to be more accurate the coaching staff may contribute because they're throwing relatively shorter, higher percentage balls versus a a scheme that involves throwing the ball downfield more. Uh, I I think something
1: else is like the complexity of the offense. I know in college football, it'd be really hard to compare two quarterbacks with this kind of number when one player plays for a team that has an offense where they're essentially, they know where the ball's going before the play um, and all they have to do is just throw it. And quarterback number two has to read the defense and make a decision each play. Um, you know, if if you're using this kind of number, that's not being taken into consideration. And quarterback one may seem to be a better quarterback, although is he actually, you know, if you put them both in the same offense, it could be a completely different outcome.
0: I, I think that's, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good take on this that there's a there's all these external or environmental factors that that influence the how quarterbacks perform on each of these measures Uh, is there anything else in this equation i mean so basically what we had we had um we had the percentage we had accuracy we had uh, degree to which the throws are downfield uh conversion into touchdowns we had interceptions is there anything else that is this a complete view of what quarterbacks do? Is there anything else that should be considered in the equation? You know what, not considered in the equation. Is there anything else that you would want to consider in terms of NFL quarterback performance?
1: Well, I mean, for passer rating, I think this is as about as inclusive as it can be when you're measuring how effective they are as a passer. Um, in today's NFL, mobile quarterbacks, you know, a lot of their value is added. With their legs, and so if we're trying to find a number that encompasses, okay, all quick, that a quick all that a quarterback quick, interrupt,
0: is. quick interruption here. So I I think the the passer rating was created in 1972 or 1973, and you just mentioned the modern NFL, right? So go
1: on. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, if we're looking for a number that encompasses all that a quarterback is. Uh, And, for example, if we're looking at Lamar Jackson last year versus Tom Brady, passer rating may not be the best number to use to judge the overall value each player brings to their team, right? Because Tom Brady is a complete statue. And Lamar Jackson, I think, almost as, as good as he is as a passer, he's equally good on his feet, and it's really confusing for defenses and really tough to defend. And so... Uh, Yeah, that number doesn't in today's NFL, you know, it it almost measures half of it for half of the teams, teams with mobile guys.
0: Okay, so and I think, well, the second key insight is this question of is the statistic complete enough? So with a lot of these advanced analytics, the goal is to come up with one number that allows us to compare players when we and so typically we, we put a bunch of stuff into that one number That is inevitably going to raise the question of, are there enough things? Is the components, the factors that go into that one number, are they sufficient? Is everything that we need to include included in the statistic? Okay, so at this point in the class, I think we have to ask the question of, well, why do we need advanced statistics? I I can come up with two basic answers to that. Uh, the first is, well, our, our goal is to evaluate athletes. And part two of that is how do we rank athletes? So, so Doug, I'll, I'll put it out to you. Okay. You know, the, the idea of ranking athletes, what's the complexity in, in this? I mean, you know, and, and you can, we've been talking football so far, but you know, choose your favorite, what's your, your favorite sport is basketball. Correct. Right.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah.
0: And do you see yourself as a uh, are you a point guard guy? Are you a, uh, you know an expert on the big men in the league? what's What's your um, what's your favorite position as well?
1: So I was a big man, but in today's NBA, uh, with the big men kind of holding less weight. Okay, per time se. out, time out, time out. You were yeah. a big man. How tall are you? <laughs> I'm six four, so it's relative. But I was the tallest kid okay. on my team normally. Um, I would be a point Mid-sized guard. Mid sized point NBA. guard right now. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, probably one of the shorter. I mean, Steph Curry is an inch shorter than me, so if that gives you an idea. Um, but in in high school and growing up, I was usually one of the tall guys, so that was my position. But yeah, I I tend to appreciate um kind of like the small forward position the most. I think some of the best players p- play that position. So same position as Kawhi and LeBron for for those of you um less familiar with the positions.
0: Okay, so how do you rank? How do you come up with a ranking of NBA small forwards?
1: Yeah, I I think the first thing people tend to do with stats is go straight to points, points per game. Um, That's like the easy, you know, generally if if you sort it by points per game, you're probably going to get some of the better players at the top and some of the lesser players at the bottom. But there's a player like Kawhi Leonard who – you know, has a whole other factor or all these other factors that make him great on the other side of the floor that the the points don't even tell the story for or any offensive stats tell the story for. Well,
0: that's that's good because this is this is getting at the point, right? So the right the the initial reaction is, well, who scores the most scoring in a way is the most important thing in the game. So we'll just look at points. But very quickly, any any sports fan or sports executive goes, well, you know, that that's incomplete, right? So mm-hmm. you, you were saying that Leonard has an uh, impact on the defensive side of the floor, I think is where you were going with it. That needs to be considered. Uh, you know, I suppose we could also make some arguments that, that some guys are playing more of a point-forward position, so there's more right. distribution of, of the ball, right. not just scoring. And, and so the reason why we have moved away from what I might describe as box-off, or sort of the, the kind of stuff that used to be in the newspaper when I was a kid— just sort of these very basic statistics of points, rebounds, assists, or in the case of uh, baseball, you know, hits, at-bats, RBIs, these kind of things, is because what we want to get at typically is a single number that we can use to compare and to to rank athletes, right? And, and points fall short is, just, I, I think, what you're saying. And I also am yeah. I hearing, and you know, tell me if I'm right or wrong, you want to have more in there.
1: Yeah, if we're going to measure a player with with one number, we certainly want to factor in much more than just their scoring.
0: Okay, and so then let me ask you a dumb question. You know, when we look at data on sports right now, potentially there's you know, column after column after column. And what I mean by that is statistic after statistic after statistic. You go to the NBA's advanced statistics page or basketball mm-hmm. reference, you know perhaps you're going to find 15 to 50 or perhaps 100 statistics on each player. Okay, so why can't we just have a
1: discussion about the 50 available statistics on small forwards? Um, I mean, we can. <laughs> it's just a lot. <laughs> it's hard to to determine or I guess make a, a ranking or, or determination of you know, what players better or better for a certain team.
0: Well, I think you're right. It's it's an impossible conversation, right?
1: Right. You throw out points,
0: I throw out assists, and we sort of go round and round in a circle. So, yeah, and
1: some of it's apples to oranges stuff where yeah. it's so, hard so a to compare. So, a lot of what's
0: happened in advanced analytics or advanced statistics over the years is really this quest of coming up with a number, a number that uh, simplifies things. And I mean that's that, that might seem at odds with what we're talking about with advanced statistics and modeling and all these kind of things. But in general, that's what it's all about is a way of taking all this disparate data and simplifying it into something so we can make easy comparisons and easy judgments and evaluations and rankings. Okay. So yeah. let me, let me change, uh, let me change directions here for a second. So we, we started out talking about the NFL. We've talked a little, a little basketball. One of the, I think, and this is this is a little bit funny in terms of the language here, one of the early advanced statistics, the one that got a lot of attention via the other Michael Lewis's book called Moneyball <laughs> was uh, something called on-base plus slugging. So in baseball, you had OPS. Uh, are you familiar with this statistic, Doug?
1: I, I'm familiar with it uh, in a very fan way uh less academic way i guess i hear the term all the time and i see the numbers okay. but I, I don't know all that goes into it okay so
0: so what what is on base on base plus slugging in some ways what I, the reason why i want to start with this is that it's a very simple statistic on base percentage is exactly what it what it sounds like so on base percentage is the, the basic idea is the number of times a baseball player gets on base divided by the number of plate appearances. Now, this is uh, one of the key themes of the book Moneyball was that this is a better measure, a better metric than just using batting average, right? What batting average lacks is the value of guys that generate a lot of base on balls. So guys that walk, right? Because yeah. it is, is a walk is a walk all that different from a single. No, or getting hit too. Okay. So getting hit by a pitch or walking <laughs> is roughly equivalent to to a base hit. So one of the insights from the that the the A's seem to have is that they could look at on-base percentage and find some let's let's call them hidden gems at this point, some imperfections in the market. But so on-base percentage is if you think about it It's a measure of how frequently people are getting in a position to to score, to generate runs. Okay. Now, the other part of this on base plus slugging. So, slugging is the, the formula for slugging is total bases divided by at bats. Okay. So, if I get a single, that's one base divided by one at bat. If I hit a double, that's two bases divided by. At, at, divided by the one right? at bat. So right. does that um in, in some ways that's reminiscent of one of the of some of the stuff we saw in the NFL passing rating, right? It's a measure yeah. of I don't know what we want to call it, the magnitude of the hits or how far the how far the base runner is advancing.
1: Right, right. Yeah.
0: Okay, so the 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 statistic is relatively simple. We just want to add the on-base percentage, this measure of Getting in a position to score, becoming eligible to score, and we want to add to it this factor related to uh, how the slugging percentage of how the runners are being advanced. So eligibility to score multiplied by or added to the, the 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 players' production in terms of moving base runners around the diamond. Right. So yeah, kind of an elegant idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I can see where they're coming from there why it might be a, a way to find diamonds in the rough
0: well it, it's it's great right and so it's like if we're looking for a way to evaluate players and you know right off the bat we could say I could give you the statistics of well this guy hit this guy hit 27 home runs and his batting average was 317 or 297 uh, compared to this other player with similar or fairly you know maybe the the other guy had 46 home runs, but only batted 220, right? The, the comparisons are kind of, kind of challenging. So now we've, we've gone into that idea, basic idea of eligibility to score and the, sort of the moving the runners around the, the base path. We've refined it a little, right? We're using on-base percentage, so we're being more complete. Uh, we're using slugging rather than home runs, again, to be more complete. Um, right. We then add those two together. And voila, we've got something, we've got a single number that is giving us a sense of how a player is driving a team's run production. Correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Any criticisms of this from your perspective?
1: Uh, First one that comes to mind for me is what about, you know, I guess if we're using this as a number for a player to determine how good of a baseball player they are. Uh, we're not taking into account their fielding, you know, the the other side of baseball. Um, okay, so yeah, that's, preventing that's the other team's runs, that's a good point.
0: That's a good point right. in almost all baseball stats.
1: Right, yeah. So that's, that's another factor. My other question is, like, how are we weighing the two? Because there's really two statistics here being combined, and how much weight does each hold?
0: Correct, and, th- and that's one of the big ones in all this. So it's... And we're overlooking something. So there's something about the on-base plus slugging that's a little bit of magic that we don't even think about. But, and we'll get to that part of it in a second. But part of the issue is that we're weighting these things equally, which means that uh, someone that is 20% higher in terms of slugging is exactly equivalent to 20, being 20% higher in terms of on-base percentage. Okay. Are these things, in fact, equally valuable?
1: Hmm.
0: i'm gonna take that hmm as a i don't know correct
1: yeah yeah that's i mean it's one of those things where it's like somebody somebody decides the weight and it just is what it is um but i don't know if you can
0: well here uh, right what the beauty the beauty of this one is no one decided the weights right or no one no one is aware that they decided the weights okay yeah they did decide the weights by just adding them together. So the weights are 50% and 50%. I don't
1: know that that was a conscious decision. Okay, well, so maybe it's an imperfect number. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they are perfectly correlated or, or maybe they're weighted accurately.
0: It, it, may, it, it may entirely be. Um, it can be sort of a, a lucky accident. Now, it, it could also be that slugging should be... Uh, you know, let's just say we're we're doing this where we're we want the weights to add up to 100 percent. Maybe slugging should be 75 percent and on base percentage should be 25 percent or, or it could be the reverse. I Frankly, frankly, I don't without digging into the data and doing some more advanced things. I, I, I truly have no idea. Uh, I don't even. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well I, I guess I can't either.
0: Okay. <laughs> well you can. You can't. <laughs> but I, I, I love the I love the statistic and in some ways it's a it's a very it's a very clean statistic. It's intuitively appealing. It's got a nice basic structure. But I think the, the more you hold it down and look at it under the microscope, the more you are gonna have some questions about what's going on. Now the the other thing, and this is this is kind of our key concept for this class is that what's really going on with a lot of these sports statistics and in particular the classic advanced statistics meaning the stuff that's been around for multiple decades is what these are really what these really are are multi-attribute decision models now it's it's a little bit of fancy language and I would encourage all of you out there, especially if you're really interested in getting into this, to do a YouTube search on the topic of multi-attribute decision models. There's a lot of complexity that you can get get into with these things. But for our sake, we want to keep things very simple. We sort of want to get 95% of the the picture of what's going on with this stuff. Uh, Again, fancy word, simple concept. So the big idea in a multi-attribute decision model is that you're going to list the attributes, okay? Multi-attributes. So a list of the attributes that you care about, and then part two of these things is just some sort of weighted average uh, to come up with a combination. Now, this is this is the classic approach to sports statistics. It's very much an expert driven approach to statistics. Now, you know, for example, you could imagine a baseball analyst saying, oh, you know, I've got this insight that on-base percentage is truly important and slugging is important. I think they are equally valuable. I'm going to put these two measures together. Voila, I've got a cool advanced new statistic that I can use to, that I can use to evaluate baseball players. Simple concept, simple enough.
1: Yeah, essentially, it seems like you could just do that with any of the single, like, quote unquote, basic statistics to create what's considered advanced analytics or advanced statistics.
0: Absolutely. Right. And and that's the you know, in, in some ways, this is a in some ways, this is a simple task that can be made as complex as the analyst is willing to go and as the management is willing to tolerate frankly um, where it all boils down to what pieces of information come into the statistic and how are those pieces of information weighted now that being said I, I think you know if you leave it there if you if you leave the discussion with where we're at it sounds very simple very doable but there's all sorts of it's called potholes potentially okay. in the okay in the way let's go back to the nfl for a second to this NFL passing rating. And I actually pulled some, I pulled some data on, you know, I forget if it was 2018 or 2019, but and really just for a couple of quarterbacks. So if if we review our NFL passer rating, the first component was about accuracy, right? It was completion percentage. And now on the passing rating, it's the, the weightings are really kind of hard to figure out based on the formula. You know, you'd really would have to, do some calculations and figure out what all that minus 0.3 multiplied by 25 and then add it all together and divide by six. Right. I mean, so that, that's the beauty of that statistic of how chaotic and crazy it is. Um, but w- the first component was accuracy. Right. And it was largely based on or the starting point was completion percentage. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And the second one was uh, like magnitude. Right, how, so how far the yards per catch, right? I think, or the yards per attempt. Per attempt, right? Yeah, um, and then we had like the ultimate effectiveness. I don't know if that's the term. Maybe that is the term we used. Well, the touchdowns, right? Right. Yeah. We're because I mean that's that's the ultimate goal. So that's got to count for something. And then we negated interceptions, which I don't I don't know the terms we used. Okay.
0: Well, it doesn't matter. I, I just want the sort of the the broad insights, right? Yeah. So. Let's now think about computing our, let, let, let's let us sort of go back in time and imagine that we're now in this we're, you and I, we' sitting there in 1971, and we're trying to come up with this passer stat. Now, oddly, since I pulled data for 2019, we'll, we're in 1971 with 2019 players. OK, so yeah. this first uh, component, accuracy. So accuracy, the, the range of accurate, you know, in terms of pass completion, it's going to range from what to what, Doug?
1: Zero to one. Zero to one. Okay, what are TD, what are touchdown passes going to range from? Like the, you're asking the number of touchdown passes?
0: Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm asking you in sort of in an unfair way, just because I want to I wanna illustrate how this gets, uh, this gets sort of clunky and burdensome right. to, to, to do this kind of work. So what's so, the range
1: on touchdown passes? Zero to Yeah, I mean technically infinity. Um I don't think I don't know. I guess guys at the most they ever throw would be around like between fifty and sixty. Yeah,
0: I think it's uh Peyton Manning with fifty five, if I'm correct. Uh, could be okay. wrong on that. So okay. uh accuracy accuracy percentages is between zero and one and touchdown passes is between uh, zero and fifty or fifty-five or zero and sixty, but you're correct. There's no there's no upper bound on it. So I'll give you I'll give you some data on a couple of players. So for Jameis Winston, passing completion percentage was .607 and threw thirty-three touchdown passes. Russell Wilson, Seahawks, completion percentage was sixty-six point one percent and threw 31 touchdown passes. Okay? Okay. So those are your two pieces of information. So how do we start to put together, a, and let, we'll ignore the other two components of the passing rating, so how should we put those together? Um, let me give you Let me give you the dumbest, I, well, no, you know what? I'm yeah, not going to buy it. You're going to say that to Adam take together. Take back <laughs> what I said. Here's my first <laughs> approach. I'm just going to add these two things together. That's what I saw in uh, OPS, right? So now my statistic for Winston becomes uh, 33 plus 0.607. So his quarterback rating is 33.607. Wilson's is 0.661 plus 31. So his rating is 31.661. Okay, there you go. Right. Done.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously the problem there is that we're, we're adding a percentage in a a total number okay so things are in different scales right exactly
0: okay um and if things are in different scales in in some ways it it doesn't it doesn't matter right if uh if if the individual threw one more touchdown pass than the other one then by definition he's going to win this comparison correct
1: right so it, it essentially negates the the percentage statistic
0: yeah, it means the percent, the completion percentage means almost nothing in all this. Okay, so let's switch this up, and we could base things on rates. So Wilson had 378 att- attempts. Uh, sorry, Winston had 378 attempts. Wilson had 427 attempts. So the TD rate for uh, Winston is 0.087, and it's 0.072 for Russell Wilson. Okay, now now I'm got a, now I'm on the same scale, right? Now I'm on this percentage scale, okay? Right. Okay, so now my new statistic, if I again just add these up, I've got Russell Wilson at 0. 7, 0. .734 and sorry, I got Wilson. I you know a really bad example of Wilson and Winston. I've got <laughs> Wilson, <laughs> I've got Wilson at 0. .734 and Winston at 0. .694.
1: Okay. So you're, you're, so I'm done again. Yeah. And you're on the same scale. Um, but I don't know if adding like a accuracy percentage and a touchdown rate, I don't really know what that tells you. And they're weighed the same as well. I don't know. I, I don't know what to do with that.
0: Okay. And that's, that, that's dead on fair, right? Because what I've done now is, I have put things on the same scale, right? So everything's on a percentage. So an additional percentage in terms of completion percentage is it's the same magnitude as an additional percent point in terms of throwing touchdown passes, but your insight and your intuition is is great as always on this stuff is well, what is the relative value of of each of those of each of those elements, right? I mean, and I suspect where this Becomes where where it really you know sort of would jump off the page or jump out at you is you imagine that well I mean let let's just play this through so if your percentage uh, in terms of pass completion goes up by 0.1 in the case of well in the case of these guys and they got about 400 attempts on average so if your completion percentage goes up by 10 percent what happens to your your completions? You're completing forty more right mm-hmm. if your touchdown percentage attempt rate goes up by ten percent well what does that imply you're throwing forty mm-hmm. more touchdown passes okay right. so what's your what's your choice doug what do you want a guy that's completing forty more um i mean you know it's, it's it's kind of a dumb conversation, but once you delve into the equation, this is really what is behind the
1: scenes on these things right yeah it highlights some of the uh the flaws i guess
0: <laughs> well it, it just highlights how this is not how it's non-trivial right it seems easy right the, the the basic idea is well i'm an expert on baseball or basketball so i pull out my key statistics for each position and then i've got to put them on a similar scale right and this is going to be common across all sports right can you have uh, rebounds on the same scale as points in the case of you know, think of some of the, some of the other sports. I think of it about a sports like soccer, where goals are really rare, but maybe tackles or stealing you know tackles or you know some of the action that happens between players is relatively common. Can you equally weight these things? Once you've conquered that problem, then the question becomes: Well, how do I weight these things? How do I put these? Uh, how do I put these these diff- these disparate and disparate measures? How do I put them together? Right. Okay. sorry, I got to take a breath here.
1: <laughs> you're again.
0: Uh, let's see. Um I don't know. I had another baseball example. What do you think? Going to the baseball example or just uh You know what? I'm going to skip the baseball example. I don't think you care about baseball. <laughs> it was about Christian Yelich and Mike Trout.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. I'm just trying to think how, yeah.
0: Okay. So those are the challenges. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. From what I've seen folks working in sports, the multi-attribute decision models are largely what is used, especially with within teams. You know, I, I think when advanced statistics are created from the outside and they end up published on ESPN or one of the league offices publishes them. Those metrics can become more powerful and more considered. I think when people are doing this stuff in-house, it is almost always going to be this multi-attribute model where the key issues are putting things on the same scale and coming up with the weightings. Now, the weights, and this is is where I, I break with a lot of folks in In the field of analytics. In general, the weights are going to come from where? Um, Intuitively, the weights are going to come from expertise amongst coaches, general managers, guys that have PhDs in their sports rather than PhDs in statistics. Okay? Is that that a fair way to say it?
1: Yeah, and that's really interesting to me uh, because... Like looking at at basketball, for example, I feel like people think that there's two schools of thought. There's like the Daryl Morey uh, statistics approach, and then there's like this gut feeling approach too. And I don't think we take into consideration the amount of gut feeling that goes into creating those statistics.
0: Well, I mean, let let me ask you this. So you played a lot of basketball growing up, and you were a a big man when you were playing. If you were going to come up with a – Big man index, and I'll just you know I'll just throw stats out there. Your big man index is really about points, rebounds, and let's say block shots. Yeah, does that, does that sound good. Sure. How would you wait? How would you weight those?
1: <sighs> man, that's really tough. I mean, I think probably in that order: points, rebounds, block shots. Uh, as far as how much for each, I don't know. We'll go. 50, 40, 10.
0: Okay. I think that's, you know, and the thing is that where are those numbers coming from? I, I, I You just pulled them out of the air?
1: Yeah, I mean, okay. it's based okay. on my my experience and what that's led me to believe as far as the importance of okay. those things. Okay, now there
0: was a lot of hesitancy on your part. Now, I mean, you just think about what's happening. In a way, what you're doing is you're accessing your your mental computer, right? The, your background as a basketball player. And, you know, you probably played for, well, you played through high school. So I'm guessing you played for 10, 10, 15 years, basketball camps. So, mm-hmm. you know, while you didn't play at the, you know, the, at the NBA level, you've got a real depth of experience, right? You've got, um, you've got some level of expertise in terms of knowing how the game and you've also watched a lot of basketball I'm sure right so you've got this real level of expertise and what you're what you're doing is you're you're accessing all of that information you're combining it and you're coming out with a with an estimate right without deliberately and explicitly calculating anything is that fair correct yes right and it's i have a lot of i was going to say sympathy but i have a lot of admiration for that kind of method from the the true experts because These are people that have, you know, even if you've got incredibly detailed data sets of of sports, when people have lived with this stuff, the the amount of information inside the human brain actually probably dwarfs what's really available. If you think, I mean, if you look at a data set that describes a basketball game versus how a person thinks about it, the, the human look at that game is it tends to be much richer, uh, much more, there's much more depth. It's more of a holistic evaluation. Okay. So, so with that being said, I I think the expertise coming at these things, and we could also make some, well, we we could also make some arguments in terms of how much, uh, experts consider about a, a game versus how much statistical models are able to capture in terms of statistical measures, uh, things like R square for the more stats minded out there. Mm -hmm. okay so that is i think a completely acceptable way of generating these advanced statistics now that being said and while i've been praising the human decision maker approach to multi-decision model to multi-attribute models i do think there is something of a evolving consensus in terms of the gold standard of how to generate these things uh from an analytical statistical standpoint now this is one of these topics that really doesn't suit itself for the podcast format so as i talk through this doug please feel free to interrupt me to slow me down okay 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 so we're not going to go deep on this because we haven't covered statistical analysis in this course but the basic idea the basic idea of Again, this gold standard, this very modern statistics-driven, data-driven approach to advanced analytics starts with the basic idea of any statistical model, okay? And so in statistical models, we tend to have something called X variables and something called Y variables, okay? So the X variables you can think of as the actions that are taken and the Y variables as the outcomes, Mm -hmm, the results, Okay, and so, you know, a classic example from a stats class might be, well, you go to school for a bunch of years, X years, that uh, causes you to make Y income. Fair? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, and so in the realm of sports, you, you can imagine what you're going to, well, in the realm of sports, it's both simple and it's both, and, it, and sometimes it's actually kind of challenging to figure out what you want to model. Okay, so perhaps you've got a, uh, you know, thinking through this, well, when we're talking about the Y variables, what we really are interested in is some, some ultimate outcome, right? So something that we want to have happen. So in the case of baseball, and this is a little bit arbitrary, we could talk about any of the other sports, your outcome variables might be things like runs, wins, championships, uh, it could even be attendance, right? Does that sound mm-hmm. about right? Mm-hmm. Now, I did that at different. I did that at different levels, right? Runs is something that happens within games. Wins is something that happens uh, across seasons. Championships is something that happens once per season. Fans is even more indirect in terms of how many people, how many people show up. Okay. Now, one of the reasons why a lot of this work tends to be done in baseball is that there's been there's something called the Pythagorean theorem of baseball, which is generally agreed upon that has established the relationship between runs, run differential. So how many runs you score versus how many runs you give up and how many games your team wins. OK, mm-hmm. so runs tends to be something that we're really we're really interested in is this prediction variable. So this Y variable. Okay, so how do we predict, how do we generate runs? Okay, so what are the X variables? Just, you know, any thoughts on that? And I, and I ask you this both because uh, I want to hear your thoughts and I also want to make sure that I'm adequately communicating. <laughs> and again, this is a tough one, guys. Adequately communicating the logic of these statistical models, again, in this podcast format. Mm-hmm. Thanks for bearing with us.
1: Yeah, so hits. Okay. Um, could be... An x variable um, and walks, and I mean everything in our the last statistic we were back to OPS. Yeah, OPS, and then so on base percentage and, and slugging. Um, yeah, those are all things that could be x variables.
0: No, and that and that's great, and that's why I, I appreciate that because that kind of connects this stuff. So the ability to get on on to get on base and the ability to advance runners via slugging. These are things that, in general, lead to lead to runs. So the gold standard statistical approach, and, and again, I think it's, you know, thanks for bringing back the OPS example, mm-hmm. might be to look at run production for the team and look at that in terms of these variables of on-base percentage and slugging percentage. Okay? Now, the basic idea of a, let's say, the classic statistical model of linear regression is we're trying to determine the relationship between the x variables here it's on base percentage and it's slugging and the ultimate outcome variable of runs and so there's nothing magical about linear regression it's essentially letting the computer spin and figure out the coefficients or the formula that best Fits the data, okay? And and again, you know, um, you you guys can tell I'm a little nervous when we start to talk about some of the statistics equations within this this format. But it's a simple it's a simple idea because what those what those relationships are, what those coefficients are, is essentially what we've been talking about for for most of class. It is what those weights are. So you can almost gotcha. imagine that if you ran this regression, you ran this statistical analysis of on-base percentage and uh, slugging percentage versus runs, that you would let the data speak to what those weights are.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that that answers so many of my questions.
0: Does that sound like magic?
1: It's magic, Mike. It is. No, I mean, no, and, no pun intended. And actually
0: what's, what's beautiful about this is th- this is where – Statistics actually becomes something that, you know, er, er, everyone takes stats in college and it's a class that I think is hated almost across the board. Because what I think people don't realize is that stats comes across as this very kind of complicated thing. But the reality, the goal of a lot of statistical analysis is to simplify things. Right. So looping this back, you know, we started talking about, oh, you know, on base percentage plus slugging. We put those as equal weights, we got an interesting number, um, but it's an arbitrary number. Our is other, the, uh, our, go on Doug.
1: Well, has anyone done a, a linear regression to determine different weights for that statistic, maybe under a different name?
0: You know what, I, I would guess someone has. Why don't we do, a, let, let, this is something where we can do a, a, a search and see if anyone has actually done that. I'd be shocked if people have not done that analysis. But it's nothing I've... Um, it, frankly, it's nothing that I've had a reason to to look into.
1: Sure. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it, it's... Look, I mean, and this is... Th- that actually brings up another kind of really interesting sideline in all of this. So let, let's say you went out and you did that regression. And you figured out that the weighting should be the the weighting on slugging should be a little bit higher than the Mm -hmm. weighting on on base percentage okay well this kind of this raises another question right in terms of you know gathering the data doing the analysis interpreting the analysis and in this case it might be relatively easy to do because the data baseball data is easy easy to collect it's all over the web but for a lot of analysis is it worth doing, right? So is it worth hiring a statistician, hiring a data scientist to collect the information and put it into the right fo- format to come up with a number that might not be all that different than what you came up with or what the, the, the person with the Ph.D. in baseball came up with as the starting point? Um, I could even take this, this line of thinking a little bit farther in terms of, well, let's say we've got this. You know, it's almost like if we had this weighted average via the statistical analysis. We've got the classic OPS measure. Um, these two pieces of information are given to our general manager in terms of to support the his uh, to support his endeavors in terms of roster uh, roster construction. Right. How much is he actually going to rely on those two pieces of information? To basically create the team that's going to be on the field.
1: Yeah, my bet is that it, when favorable, these numbers are used to to support um, a, a manager's intuition, and when not, they they may be discredited or discarded. It's <laughs> just well, my guess.
0: And I think that that's fair.
1: That's almost a little bit of a cynical way of looking at it. Yeah. I, I think the right the
0: the way to look at it is that and, and actually cynicism in this stuff is, is absolutely fine. But the way to look at it is that this is just one component of the decision.
1: There's a lot of factors.
0: And so, it, it, you know, you're, you're basically doing this kind of, you're coming up with these advanced statistics so that we can evaluate players, we can rank players, um, but it's really just one piece of information. And so whenever you're doing this kind of work, and it can be beyond sports, the question is, how much do you want to invest into coming up with these measures? And it's a function of how much is this actually going to improve decision-making. In this case, let's say we've got this really kind of basic statistic of OPS, this on-base plus slugging. Now we could also invest, and let's say it's a $10,000 or a $20,000 project to collect everything and come up with a more a slightly improved statistic. When we think about the, how this is actually used... Um, you know what else is going to come into mind bes- besides the statistic on the part of the general manager? I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple, and you give me a couple. Okay. How about the fact that this is a backwards-looking number in terms of this is what happened last season? So this may not consider something um, in terms of like where the player is at in terms of you know how old they are. are they yeah. Are they trending downward? Or are they trending injuries? Upwards? Right. Um, this doesn't give me any sense of how efficient the signing of this player is going to be, right? Because guys may be at very different positions. I mean, maybe they have different OPS numbers, but they're also in a position to
1: demand different salaries. Exactly. So, okay. so not taking into account cost.
0: Yeah. I mean, and then we could also go down the... We could go to some of the other issues you mentioned, the fact that this doesn't include the, the impact on the other side of the ball, right? Maybe... Maybe one guy has a slightly different number, but he's a heck of a better fielder. Right? Maybe he's a center fielder that can go chase down any ball, or he's a shortstop with tremendous range to get to just about any ground ball.
1: Right, and uh, basketball equivalent for, for our basketball listeners is I think of like Kyle Korver, who his whole career seems to hit just about every three he takes, um, but at this point in his career doesn't get many minutes, not because of his production, but because on the other side of the floor... At this age, um it's the same with Ray Allen when he was playing with the heat. It's like it's pretty much a bucket for the other team if if they go to hit to the guy he's guarding
0: and, and you know what I, I think that's a good way to to end this segment because it 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 kind of highlights a you know yet another sort of a point of where almost all these arguments end up, right? So you go down this path, you create the better statistic. You got this question of where are you going to leave off in terms of how much improvement are you going to get? Are you just going to rely on logic? Are you going to take it to the data and do something even more sophisticated? Look, I mentioned linear regression. There's all sorts of complicated models out there. You're really going to dig in and do something fancy. Even after you got those statistics, there's these extraneous factors such as how much a player is going to make. Um, what is left out of these statistics, And so I will say this in terms of this world of advanced analytics and these statistics, something that is probably the the right way to end these discussions is thinking about the use of these statistics. So it's great for fans to argue about, well, this player versus that player. Jordan's not the goat. LeBron is because of some advanced statistic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in reality, if the end goal is to create better teams, then these things are an input to some decision support process. And as such, you know you got to invest the right amount to get the most out of the you know to get the most valuable the most value out of any given input to those processes. Okay, so in this class, class four, we've been discussing uh, player statistics, advanced analytics, Really, the idea that you're summarizing players with a single number, so you can essentially do things like compare players. You can make a judgment about who's the quarterback you want, who's the point guard you want. You can come up with rankings. Now, our next topic is again, you know, one of the core ones, and I, I, I will admit. I divide the sports analytics piece into two classes. One, these player statistics numbers. That's actually my personal favorite because one of my favorite types of analytics to do is draft analytics. So I love that kind of forward projection, the future projection. The second type, and what we're turned to in the next class, is on-field analytics. So this is going to get at the mathematics behind the decisions that coaches make in games. Now, this is an this is an interesting area. It tends to be, and every once in a while, some of these uh, some of these analytics researchers will make the news because they they're they're studying something related to sports and they're kind of fun decisions. So, in terms of preparation for next week, and this is this is real easy preparation as everything is in this class. I want people to think about their favorite sport and think about. One of the more crucial or I'll use the phrase discrete decisions. So this kind of classic decisions where the coach is making a decision to proceed or not to proceed. So yes, no type decisions. Some of the good ones to think about. So in the in the case of baseball, uh, the classic one and the one we're going to talk about is the decision to bunt or swing away. Uh, in football, you might have dis- decisions related to do I go for two or do I, you know kick the, the extra point and, and settle for one? In basketball, do I take the three point shot or do I take the two point shot? And, and so th- those are some of the classic ones, but I encourage everyone to think about their favorite their favorite in-game decision and to think about how this ends up being complex. Not just in terms of I get one point or I get two points, but how does that affect what happens next?